faithful. Amen. I think she needs to sing a little bit more. How about you? Amen. Thank you. Well, turn around and look at your neighbor and say, you look better than you've looked in a long time. Now look at him and say, what do you mean by that? <laughs> Aren't you glad for a God that loves you, that cares for you, that's mindful of everything you're going through? And how many of you know he's got the answer that you're looking for? Amen. Thank you all so much for uh, your kindness and showing your appreciation to Debbie and I. We love you. If we didn't, I'd tell you. Isn't that the way to live your life? Just, just turn around, look at your neighbor and say, let, let, let's just love each other. It's a good thing to know that God loves you. Let me ask a question. How many of you have had children? Wave your hand if you've had any children. Now, did your, were, were your children perfect? <laughs> okay, so... Did you love him anyway? Now, you know that you got your capacity to love from where? From God. So if you're able to love your children and they're not perfect, how much more does that mean that God's able to love us knowing that we're not perfect? Amen? Amen. So the idea in the Christianity or in the Christian world that, well, you know, you're, you're supposed to be Perfect. How many of you have ever had somebody look at you saying, you're supposed to be a Christian? <laughs> well, do you understand that the reason that we embrace the promise of God is because we discovered that Christ is our hope, our help, and he's the way. Amen? Amen. Aren't you glad that you've got somebody that loves you unconditionally? All right, if you have your Bibles, I want you to go with me uh, this morning. We're going to be going to Exodus chapter 15. I'm uh, going to preach a message. The Lord gave me a dream about a week or two ago. And I was, uh, and, and he showed me some things in that dream that prompted this message and I just want you to get ready for what God's got ready for you. Amen? Amen. So in Exodus chapter 15, starting with verse 22. So Moses brought Israel from the Red Sea, and they went into the wilderness of Shur, and they went three days in the wilderness and found no water. And when they came to Marah, they could not drink of the waters of Marah, for they were bitter. Therefore, the name of it was called Mara, and the people murmured against Moses, saying, What shall we drink? And he cried unto the Lord, and the Lord showed him a tree, which when he had cast into the waters, the waters were made sweet. There he made for them a statute and an ordinance, and there he proved them. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you for your word because it's life to us. God, we just ask you to have your way. And we give you praise, God, that you've got everything in your hands. We thank you for that in Jesus' name. Amen. I want 
to speak to you for just a little while today on healing bitter water. Would you say that with me? Healing bitter water. The scripture that I read comes from the book of Exodus. And if you look at what had just happened prior to what I read is Egypt had gone after Israel. Israel had come out of Egypt. Pharaoh followed them and they were determined to destroy them. And God opened up a Red Sea and parted it. The children of Israel walked through on dry ground and they, as they got to the other side, all of a sudden they saw that the enemy was still hot on their trail. And how many of you know that sometimes the enemy just don't want to give up? The enemy was still hot on their trail. And then all of a sudden they prayed, Moses prayed and he caused the waters to roll back and they watched the Egyptians wash up on the seashore. And when they did that, they got so excited for the first time in over 400 years, they were free. Somebody say free. free. See, sometimes it's hard for us to get excited about freedom because we've known freedom all of our life. We live in a nation that's free. Now, we may have our struggles and we may have our, uh, our turmoils and our trials, but do you understand that you live in the best place in the world to live on earth? It's still a land of opportunity. It's still a land of freedom. And so when they came in and Miriam got excited, she's on the other side of it and she started to show her joy. How many of you have ever shown your joy before? I mean, like, what, what's the biggest outburst of joy you've ever had in your life? You know, how did you, did you go, oh, wow. Did you ever see when, have you ever watched, followed the sports world? Have you ever seen what happens when a team, they're playing for the national pennant right now and, and the American League pennant, they're, they're playing out those games and it'll go to a World Series. And I just challenge you to watch what happens in the town that wins the World Series when the team comes home? It gets crazy. Turn around, look at your neighbor and say, it's about to get crazy in here. <laughs> I mean, it got, I mean these, these folks go wild. They're, they're screaming at the top of their lungs, they, you know, and, and everybody, because they're so happy that their team won. That nine guys that they don't know hit a ball and accomplish more than the other team. That's why they're excited. My point exactly. Don't misunderstand me. I'm a sports fan. I love it when the Cardinals win. And when the Cardinals aren't winning, I hope the Cubs win. And when the Cardinals and the Cubs play, May the best bird win. <laughs> so it's, I, I understand it. I get it. And, 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 but what I'm saying is this. Is sometimes I think we forget how good God's been to us. That we for, it's always easy for us to focus on what's going wrong in our life. But have you ever taken time just to thank God for what's going right in your life? Have you ever taken time just to raise your head up on the mo in the morning and say, God, thank you for this day that I'm alive and well and, and, and you've given me hope and you've given me strength and I can go. 
Turn around, look at your neighbor and say, go. Just don't do it right now. That I can go, I'm able to move. And so she grabs a tambourine. She starts beating this tambourine and man, she's dancing and other women are joining her and they're dancing and they're excited because the Lord had delivered them. As a matter of fact, they're so excited that it appears that Moses is having a hard time getting them to leave the place they're at because the scripture said he brought them from the Red Sea. You see, sometimes when we have a victory, we like to camp out there. Amen. We want to pitch a tent at the place of our victory and stay there. And it's well and good, and we need to rejoice with every victory. Amen. But you can't camp out at yesterday's victory when there's tomorrow's promise that you still have to claim. You see, they haven't come into the promised land yet. They haven't got to Canaan yet. And so he's got to move them. He's got to talk them into the fact that God's got something better for you. And so he begins to try and move them toward it. As they leave that place, three days later, count them. One, two, three. Everybody say three. Three days later... They forgot all about that victory. <laughs> They're dancing there, man. They're rejoicing. They're talking about how good God is. Three days is all it took for them to forget how good God is. Amen. And they've got no water. And instead of, I mean, you know, three days ago, they were dancing and praising God. And now they're not even talking to God. As a matter of fact, they, instead of, praying and asking this God that they just saw roll back the Red Sea to meet their need, they chose instead to murmur and complain or murmur against Moses. Everybody say murmur. Let me talk to you about the word murmur. The word murmur in Hebrew means to stop. Everyone say just stop. That word means that you're not going to proceed any further. He brought them from the Red Sea. By implication, it means to permanently stay somewhere, to be obstinate. How many of you have ever murmured? None of us really want to raise our hand. Dewey, but here's, here's what you have to understand. It's one thing for your water or your circumstance to be bitter. It's another thing when you become bitter. Because when you become bitter, you stop your progress. When they murmured, they stopped. How many of you ever used to murmur about what mom fixed for dinner? And when mom heard you murmur, what was her response? Well, then you can just go to bed without any dinner at all. 
How many of you, when you, your mom, when, when you murmured against, against what was for dinner, how many, how many of you mothers looked at him and said, oh, I am so sorry. I, I, I didn't prepare what you like. What could just, from now on, just put a menu outside your door and I'll make sure to have exactly everything that you like. How many moms are there in the house today? And you all know what you're thinking. That ain't going to happen. And see, you, you either eat, but see, when you murmur, you stop your progress. And it's a trick of the devil. The devil knows that if you learn in, when you're facing a bitter circumstance, he knows that if you learn to trust God and to call out to God, that God will change that circumstance. But if he can get you just to murmur about it and begin to complain about it, he knows he's going to stop your progress. So guess what he wants to do? He wants to get you to murmur a little bit. Everybody say murmur. The word even sounds dangerous. Think about it, a heart murmur. I don't know if that means, if Nate's in here, I don't know if that means to stop your heart or not, but the, the, a heart murmur, a, a, an earth murmur. I know you're thinking tremor, but you call it what I want, you want to, and I'll call it what I want to. <laughs> But it's, it, 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 it changes things. Look, you're not going to get through life without facing some bitter circumstances. What you choose to do with that will make or break you. Because you can be bitter or you can be better, but you can't be both. You can allow the circumstance you're in to make you better. It can toughen you. It can cause you to learn how. Do you know what won World War II? It was not the generals that were in charge. There's a book that was written by Stephen Ambrose, I believe, and it's called Citizen Soldier. And they talked about what won World War II were farm boys' ingenuity. It was country boys that were out in the battlefield and there weren't any generals around. And what happened, they said, is that those country boys saw what had to be done and they figured out a way to do it. They didn't sit around and murmur and complain about how bad things were and about how rough it was for them and why doesn't somebody send them some help. They picked themselves up and they, made, they decided, I'm going to figure this out. We're going to work through it. We're not going to be stopped. We're not going to be defeated we're going to move forward everybody say move forward I was reading one instance about where they had the the American soldiers pinned down they were in a trench and they, they had a tank in that trench and the tank could not get up over the embankment and and Germans were shooting at them and man, I mean mowing them down. They were supposed to take the territory that was on the other side. So they had to cross this field and they couldn't get the tank up there. And every time they attempted to go across, people just lost their lives. And those boys started looking around and they said, hey, I know what to do. So they arc welded, they welded a, a piece of steel on the front of that tank. And then they rammed that embankment with that tank and, and kept ramming it until they got a hole deep into that embankment. And then they shoved some explosives in there, blew a big chunk of it out and got that tank up on that field. And they said, and that turned the tide for the war. How many of you know that when you just keep doing the same thing and getting the same result, 
it's time to try something else. I, I had a friend, how many of you remember Rocky, the movie Rocky? Hold your hand up if you're old enough to remember Rocky. Those of you that don't have a clue what I'm talking about, hold your hand up. Okay, talk to someone you're sitting next to. It's a wonderful movie. You know, it was, you, you remember Rocky? Everybody, man, everybody had that song humming in their head. You know, and, and so Rocky, so I, I go with a friend. We'd seen the movie once and we, and we go in and, and we're in the theater and we go in, you know, and you, you remember the story, Rocky fights the heavyweight champion. He's an underdog and man, he doesn't have a chance in the world, but he nearly, he nearly beats the heavyweight champion of the world, almost beat him. We went back to watch the movie and my friend's in the crowd and he's going, you know, I, he said, I, I watched this the other night and I, and, and, but I got a feeling that tonight Rocky's going to win. <laughs> hey, look, folks, there's some things that are set in stone. You understand? But when you get a hold of God, God can turn the tide no matter what it looks like, no matter what it seems like, even when it seems like it's in stone, you need to remember that he is the stone. He's the rock that the builders rejected. And when you hold on to him and build on him, he's going to see you through it. Amen. There's a story in the book of Ruth about a man by the name of Elimelech. There's a famine in the land and Elimelech takes his wife, Ruth, I mean, his wife, Naomi, and his two sons, and he leaves a land of promise that God had promised him, and he goes to another land called Moab. Now, you say, well, and he's going to Moab because he thinks things are going to be better in Moab. How many of you know that the grass always looks greener on the other side of the fence? And so he thinks that he's going to leave. Now, look, he, he always intended to come back. But when you run from your trouble, your trouble doesn't leave. It just follows you. You can't, you can't run from situations. You can't run from adversity. You've got to learn how to be able to face it. And so what happens, they, they, they take off and they, they plan to come back and they are leaving a land that God had given them. Now, watch this. Nowhere else is it recorded that anybody else left during that time of famine. You see, sometimes the devil creates in your mind that things are worse than they really are. How many of you have ever borrowed trouble? You know what I'm talking about? You started worrying about things that never even happened. You started worrying about, I remember when uh, our daughter was getting ready to get married and they had mentioned about going to, moving to Louisiana and, I, my, and my wife, is it okay for me to tell this? Okay, I started to say I'm in the middle of it now. But literally I remember Debbie crying in bed in my arms and she, she was so concerned about, you know, her, her, she was losing her daughter, she, she was going to move away and I looked at her and I said, honey, I said, you, you may be crying about things that aren't ever going to happen. You're, just wait until we cross that bridge. There's no use worrying about that. There's no use in getting yourself in, all worked up over that. It may never happen. Guess what? It never happened. And so she spent a night of turmoil that she didn't need to spend simply because the devil tends to draw our minds away 
and wants us to murmur, wants to stop our progress, wants to keep us where we're at. So he takes his wife and his sons there and he's going to come back and, and he plans to, to, you know, that things, when things get better, but how many of you know, it never gets better when you walk away from what God promised. And so he gets over there and before he has a chance to get his family back, he dies. He died in Moab. He died in a strange land that served strange gods. And when he died, he left a wife and two sons there. Now, they don't know what to do. How are they going to make it back home? His two sons become accustomed to the land. They begin to grow and they marry two women. And then all of a sudden, they die. And it seems like everything that he had hoped for is now gone. And his wife is left alone. No husband no sons, two daughter-in-laws looking to her, and she looked at them and said, look, man, I've got nothing to offer you. You might as well go back to your people and your gods because I'm empty. I've got, I've got nothing. And, and, and one of them leave, and the other one chooses to go with her, and as Ruth and Naomi go back to Bethlehem because she heard that God had visited Bethlehem with bread. Everybody say, pass the bread, please. You've got to understand that the, 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 the spot you're in right now isn't going to stay that way forever. Bread's coming. Bread's coming. What, what, you know what happens sometimes? Think about this. How many of you have ever had homemade bread? I heard people covet it just then. I heard people put their hands up and go, oh, yeah. Homemade bread, oh, it's just, you know, it made chill bumps go up and down your back. You thought about that butter that you put on it and it melted and, and that first oh, homemade bread. Let me ask you a question. How many of you, while bread was being made in your house, smelt the aroma of it and you knew something good was coming? Just take a deep breath. Well, take a deep sniff. And go, mm, something good's coming. So let me ask this question. When, when you smelt that bread filling your house, did all of a sudden you decide, I can't wait for the bread, and you went and got a loaf of wonder? If you did, and don't get offense to this, but if you did, you're lacking a few bricks carrying a whole load. What are you talking about? Who in their right mind is going to give up homemade bread for a slice of wonder? Have you ever seen wonder bread at the end after it's gone out of date? Still looks good. I went through some bread back here, and I might not ought to tell this, but I was in the green room, and I opened a cabinet and pulled out some bread, and it was like six months old. You couldn't tell it by looking at it. I almost ate a piece of it. I thought, I wonder what the date is on this. I threw it in the trash. 
See, sometimes we're settling for less than God has for us simply because we're too impatient to let God bring it to us. God's got something in the oven cooking with your name on it. Don't run out. You need to just take a deep breath and just take a deep whiff in and say, God, I know it's good. Naomi gets back to Bethlehem, and when she gets to Bethlehem, the women run out to meet her, and they looked at her in amazement, and they said, is this Naomi? Something had changed. It wasn't the same Naomi they knew. As a matter of fact, Naomi's response proves something had changed. Because when they, when they make that statement and they say, is this Naomi? She looked at them and said, don't call me Naomi. Naomi went back home, but the disappointment of her past or the disappointment of what she had been through became embedded in her soul. How many of you have ever carried a hurt for a long time? You ever carry a, a disappointment or, or a, a, a pain for a long time? And if you don't get rid of it, it becomes a part of you. It begins to define you. She looked at them and said, don't call me Naomi. The word Naomi meant pleasant. She said, don't call me pleasant. Those days are long gone. I'm not pleasant anymore. Don't call me Naomi. You know what she looked at him and said? She said, call me Mara. The word Mara meant bitter. She said, don't call me pleasant. Call me bitter. Because the Almighty has dealt bitterly with me. Amen. I want you to hear what I'm going to say because when you get bitter, it messes with your ability to think straight. When you get bitter, it messes with your perception. And she's bitter and what's she doing? She's blaming God. For what she's been through. God's not the one that packed her up and moved her. That was her husband. But God's catching the blame. She's saying, I went out full, but I've come back empty. Don't call me pleasant. Call me Mara because the Almighty's dealt bitterly with me. Let me tell you, it wasn't God that had dealt bitterly with Naomi. It was Moab. You need to understand something about Moab. It symbolizes the world, and the world will chew you up and spit you out and leave you empty and walk, a while, walk away from you with a smile on its face, wiping its mouth, thinking, well, there's another one done gone. Remember that song, Marie Laveau? And she went, another man done gone. Don't you know that the devil came to steal, kill, and destroy? His intent is to take you out, not lift you up. He, want, he does not want, do you, I want you to get this and, 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 and listen carefully here. Because 
sometimes you don't even know who you are. You see, the person you think you are has been fashioned by the disappointments and, and, and the circumstances that have surrounded your life. So that's how you've identified or evolved. But God knew you before you had a disappointment, before you had a bitter circumstance. He knows who you are. And what he's doing is saying, let me get you back to who I always meant you to be. You don't have to carry this anymore. Amen. Naomi's carrying something she ought to let go of. Everybody say, thank God for Ruth. Because Ruth had heard about Naomi's God. And Ruth knew what it was like to live without God and away from God. She never heard of him. When Naomi tells her to go back, she's looking at her and saying, I'm not leaving you. Don't tell me to go back to my people and my God. I've heard about your God. I've heard about his love. I've heard about his power. I believe he's able. And so she goes into a land that she doesn't know, trusts a God she never knew, and saw him work a miracle, not just in her life, but in the life of her mother-in-law. Everybody say, just hang on. If, if, if you won't throw in the towel, if you just hold on. There, there are times that, man, we struggle with bitterness, isn't there? Recently, my daughter, she's building a house. And recently, my daughter, just this past week, had a big struggle. She called her mama in tears. She came over to our house, and she was just distraught because as they're building their home, somebody went to the job site, stole several rolls of tar paper and a bathtub that cost them nearly a thousand dollars ripped it out ripped it out it, they, they did like two thousand dollars worth of damage and she's been pinching pennies trying to build this home that she's dreamed of forever and she's been trying to make it happen and make it happen and she came to our house and she was just distraught and, and it was and you know when somebody steals something something from you it makes you feel violated when somebody takes something that's yours and you feel like well well what am I supposed to do what am, you, you're supposed to trust God and it's a lot easier to do it than it is say it but if you'll trust him you're going to find out that God can give you more than the devil took from you and so she came to the house this past week, and uh, Debbie was playing worship music and singing with her. And, and, and she looked at me, and I told her, I said, uh, and I began to declare over her, I said, listen to me, God is going to give you favor. You're going to find, so I said, there are going, God is going to cause situations to rise up. He's going to bless you in ways that you weren't even thinking about. He's going to save you money in avenues that you didn't. You, you weren't even dreaming about. She called me a day later. I believe it was one or two days later. She called me. She said, Dad, she said, I, I've been trying to find a fireplace and, and it was going to be so expensive. And so when she started talking about the fireplace, she was talking about, she'd been to the house that morning. She was saying how she's trying to save money and, you know, and it was, it was going to be you know, several thousand dollars. The one she was looking at was like three grand and that was without all the piping and everything she was going to need. So she was going to try and find one lesser. When you're going through something, that doesn't mean God wants you to have less. It may be a good sign that he's getting ready to give you more. 
than you ever dreamed of. She called me up. She was. She called me up. She said, "Dad, you're never going to believe what happened." I said, "Why?" She said, "I went to the fireplace thing and said I was looking at these these fireplaces." And she said there was there was one there that was on clearance. It was like twenty one hundred dollars. And she was looking at it. And she said, "I asked, well, what's wrong with this one?" And they said, "Well, nothing's wrong with that." They said, as a matter of fact, they said, that's a better fireplace than the one you're looking at. Long story short, she ended up getting the fireplace, she, uh, the, the one that was better than she was looking at, all the pipes and everything she needed for $2,900, and it was valued at nearly $8,000. Amen. God will give you back if you'll just hold on. Amen. I've seen folks get worked up and get... Oh, thinking, would you calm down? Would you just give God an opportunity to work? And you mark my word, when you feel that coming on, it's because you're next in line for a promotion uh, and the devil's trying to keep you away from it. Uh, he doesn't want you to get it. You just need to hang on. Amen. We all love sweet things, don't we? How many in here like candy? Wave your hand up. Hold, hold the hand high. I mean, if you, if you love candy, just stand up right now. Come up here, Anita. I see that hand. Anita, come on up here. Didn't I see your hand go up? You're in the house of God. <laughs> Stell, come on up here. You like candy. Stand up if you like candy. There's not anybody on this side of the house got a sweet tooth. Like candy. Love candy. Isn't candy good? Candy's wonderful. I'm trying to think of who won't be mad at me later. <laughs> Sam, come on up here. Okay, everybody else can sit down. Oh, you brought an accomplice. That's good. That's good. I needed another man anyway. Come up here. Now, we love, we love candy. Everybody say, I love it. It's wonderful stuff. Here, this is for you. I need you all to come up here and stand this way. You okay? There you go. All right. Tim, unwrap that for her. Here you go, Sam. That's... Here you go. Oh, here, no, you take that one. Here, you take this one. Okay. Now, on the count of three, I want you to put this succulent candy in your mouth. Are you ready? One, two, three. Put it in your mouth. Hurry. Hurry, put it in your mouth. Isn't it wonderful? Whoa, 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 whoa. whoa. What are you doing? What are you doing? Put, put, that, put that back in your mouth. Put it, put it in your mouth. Is it good? Huh? If, if you'll hang on, it will. Put it back in your mouth. It's going to get better. No, no, just hang on. Hang on. It's going to get better. Just suck it harder. Suck it. Got it. Are, you, are you there yet? It's getting close. Are you there? Vinegar. Vinegar. Hold, hold on. Just... Just keep going. You're almost there, girl. You're almost there. Are you, are you with me? No? Is it, is it, can you feel it turning? Is it turning? Is it, is it getting better? 
Okay, okay. Hold on. Just keep going. Just keep going. Are you almost there? Almost. Not quite as bad as it was? Not quite? Is it? It's getting there. Is it, has, it got, has it got sweet? It is. Give them a hand, would you? Thank you. What I want to illustrate to you is they all had Annette, Anita, I'm sorry, Anita and Estelle had the same piece of candy. Anita put it in her mouth and she said, hmm, sour. Annette, or I mean Estelle spit it out. <laughs> and it did some talking to get her to put it back in. This is what I want you to understand. Everybody that came up here was, had something bitter they were facing. And they all faced it differently. For Sam, he must be used to bitter things because he, 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 never, he never broke a sweat. He just, good stuff. I don't know if you, did you chew it up? Oh, okay, so you, he still got it. And, but what happens is our initial response oftentimes is to spit it out. Get rid of it. I don't want to face it. How is it now, Estelle? It's great. It's great. You see, what, what the devil's trying to get you to spit it out before God turns it better. He's trying to get you to give up before God turns the tide. He's trying to get you to walk away before he opens the door. Amen. He's trying to get you to abandon ship before you see the lighthouse. God wants to heal your bitter water. I want you to listen to this scripture. This is in John chapter 19, verses 28 through 30. After this, Jesus, knowing that all things were now accomplished, that the scripture might be fulfilled, said, I thirst. I want you to get this. Jesus, knowing all things are accomplished, that the scripture might be fulfilled, said, I thirst. In other words, He's not saying, I'm, I thirst because he wants something from us. He's saying, I thirst because he wants to get something to us. He didn't say, I thirst because he's thirsty. He said, knowing that all, the, uh, that all things had been accomplished. Amen. Everybody say, Amen. it's time. All things are accomplished, it's time. And he said, I thirst. Thirst, so scripture can be fulfilled. I think of all kinds of scriptures that God wants to fulfill. Like the scripture that says, I know what my plans are or what my thoughts are towards you, and they're thoughts of peace and not of evil to give you a hope and a future and an expected end. He doesn't want you to buckle under, He wants you to go over. So he says, I thirst. Now, look at this. Now, there was set a vessel full of vinegar. Where did I hear that a minute ago? Estelle said, it's vinegar. 
Now there was set a vessel full of vinegar, and they filled a sponge with vinegar and put it upon hyssop and put it to his mouth. When Jesus, therefore, had received the vinegar, he said, it is finished. And he bowed his head, and he gave up the ghost. That day, the crowd gave him the only thing they had to offer, bitterness. He said, I thirst, and they gave him sour wine, vinegar. And he didn't spit it out. He didn't turn his head the other way. The Bible said he received it. And when he received it, he said, it is finished. I love types and shadows. <laughs> because in the Old Testament, they're faced with bitter water. And they call it Mara. And Moses cried out to God. And God showed Moses a tree. And when Moses took that tree and put it in that bitter water, it was healed. And today, we take our bitter water to the tree. We take our bitter water to Calvary. And when we take it there, he heals it. He said, it is finished. Would you stand with me today? You don't have to carry it anymore. You don't have to endure it anymore. He went through it so you could come out the other side of it. I had to talk Estelle into putting that back in her mouth. I've been watching her since she went back down and she hasn't quit sucking on that candy. Now think about it, if it was bad, she'd have spit it out as soon as she'd got down and she'd have been putting it in some neck and said, I can't believe pastor did that to me. But instead she's been enjoying it. I'm telling you that God can take the circumstance and the situation you're in that's causing you so much pain and so much anxiety and so much turmoil and if you let him heal it, he'll turn it around so you can enjoy your journey. Trust him. Well, they didn't do what I think they ought to do. Since when in your life did anybody ever do everything you thought they ought to do? How many of you have spouses that do everything you want them to do? Trying to get some brownie points here. No, we don't, right? You're not going to get through life without facing some bitter things. But those things don't have to make you bitter. They can make you better if you let them. When we learn to embrace God in the middle of our turmoil, instead of pushing him away, he walks us through it. He gets us to that place that we need to be, that he's always desired for us and always longed for us. He'll turn it if you'll let him. So my question to you today is this, will you let him? Will you let him heal you? Will you let him take care of the situation? Will you let him 
turn your bitter water into a sweet fountain that you can drink from and enjoy. Would you just stretch your hands to heaven and pray with me for just a moment? I love you, Father. I praise you, Lord. He's getting ready to do it. He's getting ready to change it. Rick and Tammy, come here just a second if you would. I'm just going to give you what's coming to me, okay? I want you to take each other by the hand. Just this week, something's come up that requires you to trust God. There's a part that just feels like, man, if I could run from this. But God's going to take you through this. And on the other side of this, I want you to hear me, on the other side of this, right now you've been dipping a pitcher in a, just a small pool of water. God said, hang on, because on the other side of this, I'm going to cause you to drink from a fountain that's springing up. Church, would you stretch your hands to heaven with me? Thank you, Father. Don't lose sight of those things that I've promised. I've not forgotten. Can you just love him with me right now? Come on, love him with me right now. God's able to do what we can't do, but we have to give it to him. Everyone say it's time to give it to him. Just release it, just, just let it go. Some look, I could call you out. I hesitate to do that because I feel like that this is something that God is wanting you to do on your own initiative, that you already know he can, but it's finding the will to let him. So I'm going to ask you to step out right now. I'm going to hold for just a moment. I'm going to ask you to just take that step of faith out. I want to pray for you right now. Would you do it? Come on, I'm not going to hold long. Just, just come on out. Thank God for those that are coming. Thank God for those that are coming. Thank God for those that are coming. I'm going to pray for you all, but I need you to know that you're the one that God showed me. It's time for healing. Are you ready for it? You have to want it more than anything else. You don't have to understand it. You don't have to figure it all out. You just have to receive it. You've been such a strong individual. For the next few moments, God would like you to become a little girl again. 
you love him with me right now, just stretch your hands to heaven and love him with me. This, I'm going to ask you to do something with me. Just hold your hands up. How many of you know that he's a healer? You've seen that happen over and over before. God just wants to heal not just our bitterness, but our brokenness. He wants to restore us to health and wholeness. Would you just stretch your hands to heaven with me? for me today if you would those of you that are standing up here I'm, I'm asking you to take someone by the hand that you're standing next to just reach out and get their hand for just a second because this and, and I really need you to get this because one of the things that the devil does to us is he messes with our mind and he makes us think we're alone you're not alone you are not alone as a matter of fact, I want you to take a moment and just look to the person whose hand you hold and tell them that. Tell them you're not alone. However much time it takes, just make sure that you see each other. Just make sure you see each other and say, you're not alone. We, we are uniquely a family of God. That means, look, man, I didn't get along with my brother sometimes. I mean, when he chased me down the hall of our house with a pistol to shoot me, it wasn't exactly my best day. But what I'm saying is this, is that we still loved each other. As a matter of fact, after he shot me, he had a blank in it, thank God. But after he shot me, we both started laughing and, and I grabbed my chest and fell into the wall and he thought he really did shoot me. And, and, and then we both just started laughing and everything was forgotten. You just got to let things go. Just, just let it go and don't let it, don't let it wear on you. Don't let it try and determine who you are. I learned a long time ago that I'm not going, I, I can't let things store in me because if I do, the devil will use it against me. So I've just got to let it go. Hold it just a second. I'm going to, I'm going, I wasn't going to do this, but I want to, I'm going to share my dream with you. I'm not the whole thing, but just a little tidbit of the dream. And then we're going to pray. And this is what you're going to do. You're praying for the persons whose hands you're holding. I found something out about God. Is that when you love others, and you love them in a reality and you and you get that you try your best to get that love to them it does something to the heart of god i watched god I, I, there was a guy whose back was so messed up they had to, they had to carry him up to the altar for prayer on a bed caught they got him up there and they were praying for him and nothing was happening and he was still laying there and all of a sudden 
he forgot all about his pain. And he reached over to pray for someone else that needed prayer. And when he laid his hand on that individual and started praying, God heal them, God healed him. (laughs) That's what's getting ready to happen here in just a moment. God's going to heal you as you begin to pray for the other person because here's how the devil operates. He tries to get you focused on you and on what you're going through and the pain you're feeling to the point that it, it just, man, it messes with you and it disables you and it, it causes it to be very difficult to move forward. But the moment that you're able to get your eyes off of you and put it on someone else and say, God, I'm really asking you to touch them. That does something to the heart of God and it ends up causing God to meet your needs. He said, freely you have received, freely give. And so that's what he's going to do. Let me just share the dream. In the dream, I'd I'd had four dreams in the last two months that all had, that I I couldn't, I I don't know if you'll understand what I'm going to say, but I couldn't identify people. The people's faces were blank, but I identified the theme. And in the theme of each one, there was anger. And I got, I was woke up at 2.30 on a Monday morning and I went to prayer and I, I started saying, God, you're trying to show me something. You're trying to tell me something and I need you to give me, give it to me more clearly. I, I need, I spent some time in prayer. I went back to bed and when I went back to bed, I had this dream. And when I woke up from this dream, I said, God, I understand. The dream, I said, there, there was this huge piece of ivy that, that it, it was, it was wide and it, it's, it's leaf branch. It was broad leaf and, and it had like jagged edges on each side of it. And I watched it reaching out and it was growing and it was, and this thing was going after folks. And if it got a hold of you, it consumed you. And I saw people hacking at it and trying to stop it. But every time they hacked it, the piece they hacked off took on a life all of its own. And it started going after people. And I watched something happen in the dream. I I watched a piece of it get on somebody. And that time, instead of consuming them, it transformed them. And that person became likened to the ivy and started trying to attack. And and, and, and man, it looked like a monster. And the thing, the the person, not the leaf, but the person, man, people run all, all around trying to figure out how do we stop this? How do we stop this? And all of a sudden, the person that had been transformed jumped on my back and started biting me and I mean literally just taking chunks out of me and I stopped immediately and I raised my hands and I said God I don't want this to happen to me God I I don't want this to get in me and in that moment the ivy died and the person was transformed back. And all of a sudden in the dream, I was saying, I understand. I know how to stop it. I know how, I know how to stop this. Turn your face toward God. Love him and ask him to fill your heart with his presence.
You can't let bitterness get a root hole. It'll consume you from the inside out. What I'm saying to you today is what's been trying to take you out doesn't have the ability to unless you let it. All you've got to do there, we've been running around trying to find something that would stop this and all we never needed was God. All you've ever needed was Jesus. Are you ready for it? Raise your hands to heaven. You're praying for the person whose hands you hold. Are you ready? Father, I thank you for your love and your word that's undeniable. I thank you, God, for a heart that looked at a mob that was yelling, crucify him in a way with him. After the spikes ripped through your hands, after they beat you, it's when you made the declaration, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. We choose forgiveness, Father. Whatever circumstance you're in, whatever situation you're facing, whatever somebody did or somebody said, forgive. Just choose to give. Just let it go. Whatever disappointment has happened, whatever's attacked your family or your finances, whatever's trying to take you out, God's going to take you over if you'll just go to the tree, go to Calvary and let Him heal you there. Come on. Begin to declare a thing. Begin to declare a thing over your neighbor. God, it's going to be so. You're making it happen right now. You're doing it for Tammy right now. You're doing it for Ron right now. Lord, you're causing think about this. If Estelle had pulled it out and left it out, if she wouldn't have trusted me enough to put it back in her mouth, if she would have said, no, forget this, she would have never known the sweetness that was waiting for her just a couple minutes away. 
just a couple minutes away. How close are you to your change? How close are you to, it's just a couple minutes away. It, it's not far, it's not way off somewhere. You're, you're, it's just right around the corner. It's just right there. I'm, I'm gonna let you go, I promise. Look at me in a second. You remember a few months ago, whatever it was, it may have been a year ago or something, the Lord spoke to you and said and told you those words that it's right around the corner. And you, you've, you come around that corner, but when you came around that corner, you've also had to face some other things. And God's saying, look, you've watched me do the other stuff. What makes you think I won't do this stuff? What makes you think that that's any different than now? I'm gonna take care of it, just be who I cause you to be. Not who you think you are, not, not, not the perception you have, but the perception he has. Well, how am I supposed to know his perception? It's in his word. It's in his word. I'm made more than a conqueror through him that loved me. I can do all things through Christ Jesus that strengthened me. I'm the head and not the tail. I'm above and not beneath. I didn't say that about me. He did. If you've got a problem with it, take it up with him. Come on, you're a winner, not a loser. You're going out of here victorious today. Turn around, look at your neighbor and say, I'm a winner. I'm a winner. Now, now watch this. How do winners act? How do winners act? I'm a winner. I'm a winner. I'm a winner. Hallelujah. May God bless you. May he cause you to find his presence going in and coming out. May you discover unforetold blessings. May he overtake you with favor. May you discover that the prayer you've been praying so long He's already started to answer in Jesus' name. God bless you today.